Hello and welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intercaster. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, do me a favor, go give us a baller rating on iTunes. It helps us a bunch. Seriously, if you've been listening to the Tome Show and paying nothing for the great content you've been getting and loving, we need your help for support. Go give us a shout out. It takes less than a minute of your time on iTunes. In fact... I've started doing my own shout-outs to listeners who give us a great rating on the air. I'll read a new five-star rating verbatim each episode and give credit to the person who left it. Make me say anything you want, but keep it clean, people. This is a family D&D news podcast. In this episode, we've got a five-star rating from DWLwell. If you're a gamer, then you simply have to listen. There is nothing else to say. Ellipsis. Thanks, D-W-L-Well. Be like D-Dubs, guys. Get us a shout-out. Go rate us on iTunes. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. You just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. Today, we're talking about the latest Unearthed Arcana article, That Old Black Magic. It introduces a new tiefling subrace and demon-summoning spells for 5th edition D&D. Let's meet the panel and kick things off with our get-to-know-you question. What type of demon would you summon? Allison Rossi, which demon would you summon? Are we going off of the new spells is my first question. No, it can be any demon you want. Okay, well, I'm just going to go off of one of the spells because I like shadow demons. I think they're really interesting. So I would probably go with that one. Um, you know, being a demon with, uh, you know, imprisoned in a shadow. I, something super tricky and, and sly about that uh, that you could use to scare your players with. I, I've used them a couple of times um, in campaigns that I've run, and they have always been a lot of fun. Anything shadow related. Excellent. So I'm going to go with that. That is a great choice of demon. And back at the round table is Sam Dillon. Sam, what demon would you summon? I am going to go back to the third edition Fiend Folio and go with the very first demon listed therein, which is the Alkalith. Whoa, deep cut. <clears throat> yeah, very, deep cut. very nasty, uh, nasty demon, though. It, it, uh, if you just read the first two paragraphs of the description for that thing, it is scary. Very scary. And it has the ability to command ooze, <laughs> and it can turn into a cloud kill spell. What? Yeah, I we're know. We get real fancy here. Yeah, th- this is this is like scary, and uh, you know, it's a sort of uh, a a a a child of of Jewy Blex, who uh, you know is the faceless lord, and and is one of the sort of main things going on in the Out of the Abyss storyline. So there you go. I just connected it right to fifth edition. Nice, nice. <laughs> All right. Well, I wouldn't want to follow that act. Luckily, I don't have to. Joe Lestowski does. Joe Lestowski, which demon would you summon? Uh, well, I'm actually going to go out of the D&D world into the world of Hollywood, and I'm going to look at the Denzel Washington movie Fallen and summon Azazel. Uh, because, because as far as demons go, I mean, and as far as special effects budgets go as a DM, you know, I like to try to make it real for my players, but it's difficult sometimes to embody the, the scariness of a demon, but Azazel just becomes anyone he touches. And so that's a really easy special effect to jump into. And so as a DM, I would have an easier time running that, I think. Uh, so I would summon Azazel cause, uh, really hard to defeat and also really easy to, uh, convey to my players nice nice great choice and azazel also 
uh, a demon antagonist from seasons like one through four of Supernatural on the CW. Uh, so <laughs> wow uh and i believe they use the same special effect technique he could be anyone because he could jump into anyone's body uh yeah. so yeah yeah there you go there you go stealing from denzel is never a bad idea all right <laughs> <laughs> well today on round table 100 that's right 100 uh we are talking about demons because we're talking about this unearthed arcana article that old black magic and the first demony thing we look at here and again it's unearthed arcana so we'll mention that this is play test material it's not official uh and it's not published yet they're they're giving it to us for free to check out uh, anybody can check it out we'll link it up in the show notes but the first demony thing we see of course is this abyssal tiefling subrace um it's a tiefling that isn't related to a devil is related to a demon now before we get going Listeners out there, uh, you may not know the difference between devils and demons, right? Uh, and I am going to turn to D&D Sage, who didn't know that this was about to happen, but I'm sure has a great answer. <laughs> Sam, Sam, what is the difference between a devil and a demon? Devils are lawful, mm -hmm. and demons are chaotic. Devils live in... The nine hells. Nine right? hells. The nine hells, Yeah. And demons live in the abyss. And they hate each other for the most and part. And there, there is a humongous war between them uh, called the Blood War that has been going on since second edition. So around about 1991. <laughs> there you go. So this article is all about demons, all about the chaotic side, all about, no surprise, rage of demons. You know, the most recent D&D <laughs> storyline. So the and by the way, James, I will get you back for that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the types of demons we're talking, or the types of tieflings, I should say, uh, that are introduced in this article are descended from demons. The Player's Handbook 5th Edition tieflings are infernal. Uh, they come from devils. So these of course, are a little bit different. Their magic feature is a little more random, representing the chaos in their blood. Uh, their hit points are a little bit higher, I guess, representing their demon toughness. Um, you know, so they, they have a few different powers. They're not uh, resistant to fire damage the way Infernal Teethlings are. Uh, so they have some stuff, they give up some others. Anyway, let uh, oh, and we should also mention the boost to constitution. They have a boost to constitution instead of a boost to intelligence. Um, so these tieflings are pretty awesome looking, uh, if you ask me. But I'm going to start with Allison Rossi, whose favorite PC race is a tiefling. Allison, what do you think of abyssal tieflings? So I'm super excited for this Um as as you know, and as I've talked about on previous podcasts and on Twitter and whatnot, I love, love, love tieflings a lot. Um, but generally, to, to keep them playable and not awful for a DM to deal with, I do make them generally more on the good side, a little bit chaotic. Um, but these I could see as being super fun in an evil campaign, um, just because of, of their background, the new, you know, coming from the abyss and, and being a little bit uh, less less good. Um, I really like the the Abyssal Arcana spells that they get. I like rolling on the uh, the little chart that they give you. And I like the the idea that you can be a different type of tiefling um, and play it a completely different way than the, your usual infernal tiefling. So I'm excited to see uh, how this plays out. 
Yeah, yeah. I do think it's great to have this option. As DMs, we often know the difference between devils and demons, but players, you know, it's kind of a thing with horns that comes from a different plane and is scary, right? Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> they don't necessarily know the difference, so sometimes they're like, well, I want a bail lord. I've been my great-great-grandfather, and it's like, well, I can't really know. <laughs> you know um, obviously, anybody can, can fudge the rules as a DM, but it's great now to have these, these playtest rules from wizards uh what did you think of these sam what, what did you think of the abyssal tiefling well i really think that the uh this the mechanics behind abyssal arcana where you roll every time a, a long rest has been completed and it changes the spells that you sort of get for free that is a really great way to embody the chaotic nature of Right. of demons versus the lawful nature of devils and so as you said like a lot of players a lot of people you know that just play the game don't really right like when i when you asked me what the difference was it's kind of like well i you know they're chaotic versus lawful and they come from different places like that's really meaningless to some people <laughs> um but it's very meaningful if you're using that in your game as, as a way to sort of, you know, have different flavors and whatnot. And the Abyssal Arcana rolling mechanic here for the spells, it just really, really highlights that. Um, but in a very subtle way, but one that might make your choices a little bit different. You know, if you roll a, a spell that you really, really like and you want to use it, you know, as a player, you might, you might not want to take that long rest until you get a chance to use that spell. Uh, and so it might create a little push pull between the different PCs and based on different situations, it, it's going to make that tiefling seem even more chaotic. Like, and I really like that. It's, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I, as soon as I saw that, I wanted to make an abyssal tiefling uh, chaos sorcerer. So I was just no. constantly no, rolling, constantly every rolling to figure everything. out. Uh, <laughs> but it makes it DMs really fun. <laughs> but you know, can I? But on the other hand, you know, it also doesn't like hobble the character. No, you know what I mean? No. Like the, the, just rolling on this. This is for your extra stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you didn't really want to play it super duper chaotic or you wanted to play a tiefling that was abyssal in terms of their pacts and, and, and their history and their lineage, you can play one that's really fighting against that and trying to be different. Um, but yet it still gets reflected in, in the, the mechanic to get these spells. But you can actually play the character as a different characterization and this just sort of happens to that character as part of its lineage and not part of its choice. You know, so you can play it several different ways. There's lots of role-playing opportunities here. I was thinking about if you're playing a non-spellcasting character, uh, mm -hmm. this this really can change things or you can choose to ignore it, uh, you know, or, or only pull on it when you get something that you need. But it really like, oh, you could have Cure Wounds or you could have Tasha's Hideous Laughter. That's really mm -hmm. going to change. Both of those spells <laughs> will change things, you know. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, Joe Lestowski, what did you think of the Abyssal Tiefling? Well, I, I liked it and didn't like it in equal measure uh, for <laughs> totally different reasons. Uh, I... I um, I, I agree that the, the rolling for the spells is a really interesting way to sort of embody that chaos, and I like it a lot better than the Chaos Sorcerer because I think when you look at D&D's sort of iconic uh, views of chaos, they often break the game or break the flow of combat because things get silly very quickly. <laughs> and I felt like this was a more sort of controlled chaos that, that a DM wouldn't be rolling his eyes every time that player had a turn uh, because it's it's 
there's randomness, but not enough that it's going to slow down things or totally derail a combat or a, or a, an interaction. Uh, so I liked that. I liked the idea. I was I kept thinking of playing like trying to play like a lawful good paladin that ha- that was this kind of tiefling and always sort of trying to fight against your chaotic nature. And and just sometimes being like, all right, I'm going to call on my blood, and it cures someone. And the next day, you know, I call on my blood, and oh wait, it's doing something horrible now. <laughs> uh, so I like that idea. One thing I wish they had put in was uh, back in fourth edition, uh, demons had a variable resistance, and I thought that would have fit a little better, uh, replacing the uh, the the um, the infernal resistance there, where you get the fire resistance to just make it sort of a you, you get a random resistance that that you're not sure what it will be until something hits you. Uh, instead of just giving them what was it extra hit points, I think at the bottom you got extra hit points based on half your level. Uh, I just felt like that would have been a little bit more flavorful. But that's that's largely a, a an aesthetic, you know, comment on my part, not something that I think will generally affect the playability of the sub race. So another thing I, I thought of uh, while rereading the Arcana spells list there that they give you, um, the different spells and how you would use them, you know, touching on Spare the Dying or, or Cure Wounds, you know, what if you're an evil-leaning character playing this type of tiefling, you know, would you, how would you use those spells that generally are there to aid the party? Would you withhold them? You know, what happens if the entire table out of character knows what spells you have? They know you have cure wounds, but you're like, no, no, it's, you know, guys, I don't have that spell uh, in character. So I I feel like uh, it could be interesting uh, for inner party dynamic, especially if you're playing some sort of, you know, evil campaign or, or just uh, a normal one where you're an evil character with the rest of them. Uh, So I thought that was interesting. It's probably just a typo, um, and because it's on our can, it doesn't matter. But um, it doesn't tell you what you base your spells on, what uh, attribute. Mm. And I know that uh, tieflings generally have used charisma, but or or was it intelligence? Like it, it just there, there's no listing there. And yet, abyssal mm. tieflings get a bonus to Constitution. Is that what they base it on? Like I, I was just curious. I was ah. wondering what their intent was uh, for that. Yeah, no, you're right, and I noticed that too. My guess would be charisma, because it seems yeah. like they don't do physical ability scores for spells anymore like they did in 4th. Um, right. And you still get the charisma bonus, because uh, that's part of like the base tiefling now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I don't. I actually have no idea. Um, well, we definitely want to know what people think of the new tiefling, so hit us up online right over at facebook.com slash the tome show or right on the very site in the comments for this episode over at the tome show.com all right now let's talk a little bit about summoning demons every paranoid mom's favorite subject uh when it comes to dnd uh summoning demons so uh you know it's interesting to see the way these spells are structured right like a lot of the current conjuration spells we have are conjure elemental or conjure animals or conjure celestial. They just give you a creature type and then it's either randomly determined or the player determines when they cast the spell what uh, comes out of there. And usually they have a little bit of a longer casting time. Um, These conjure a very specific type of demon. So they're like conjure Balgora, uh, conjure Hezru, uh, conjure lesser demon. Uh, And I am not even sure if I am saying all of those right. I should have gone with shadow demon because i knew that <laughs> i know that pronunciation 
um, but uh, and you know, there's these are a little more complicated as well. Some of them require concentration. Uh, the Balgura one does not, um, and they all sort of require a, using the blood of a recently slain intelligent humanoid to uh, draw a circle on the ground. It's it's clearly a much more dangerous spell than a lot of these other ones. Uh, what did you guys? think of these overall let's talk about them real quick with sam dylan sam i i like the so one thing about that the the vial of blood it's only really a component for you know three of the five the other two that the the baralgura doesn't have that as a component and the Hezrao actually has food as the component and 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 the Hezrao's attitude depends on the value of the food (laughs) used so if you use the best most uh, highly valued cheese from uh you know from from Waterdeep or something um it might be a little happier with you than if you used uh you know some uh really horrible tasting old moldy bread or something (laughs) um and that's that's really interesting. I like the flavor that they put into it. Um, but then, yeah, you're right. It has this uh, this thing where you can it's it's a it's an option. It's not required to scribe a circle on the ground with the blood of an intelligent humanoid. Blah blah blah. Right, but then right. uh, it, it it's sort of it's a way to contain the thing that you conjured. Um, and so what that does is it it actually offers it provides an option for the caster to do something a tad bit more safe versus doing it and it being very unsafe <laughs> just as a baseline because they're not creating the circle or whatever. Um, I find that very interesting. I, I like the flavor that they put into each one. Uh, for example, you know, with the Hezrao and the food, and then um, when you conjure the Vrock or Vrock, I don't, I don't care how you pronounce it, but um, <laughs> I, I've always said Vrock forever. So uh, when you conjure that, um, you know, you have to use use up a gem, and and it makes a point of, you know, the spell consumes it. So this is a very expensive spell. Of course, it's a fifth level spell. So by that time, do you just have hundred gold piece gems? I don't know, but um, I guess that kind of depends on your campaign and your GM, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's, I like the little bits of flavor they put into these. Um, and I, I do like that it's more specific than just conjure demon mm-hmm. and make it like a random demon. It's a more specific spell that has more specific sort of attributes about it. I like that. So I have two questions about this. Uh, the first is who is saying V rock? Uh, Who is doing that? I heard somebody do that one time. Yeah, sorry. Listen, I I don't want to tell that person that they're wrong, but like, there needs to be a dash or something in there. V rock, come on. Because of the extra complexities here, it seems like these demons, particularly the the conjure Vrock and Hezru, are actually a little. You you hire a slightly higher challenge rating creature it's like a a one above what else you would get at that level most of the creatures you can summon with spells of that level are equal to that level and these guys are one challenge rating above the spell level most of these demons can summon other demons or have a chance to do that uh so can the caster order the demon to summon other demons and if so 
would the caster have control of those demons? We've or... got a demon daisy chain going on <laughs> Right, right. Or is this, like, it could quickly get out of control then as those demons summon more demons and yada yada. Well, I, yeah, I, I think that's part of the um, the the problem with summoning a demon is uh, if you tell it to summon another demon, you're you're in effect giving it permission. Uh, but you know, as far as I've always understood, whatever the summoning creature is, uh, if they can maintain control, they are the one that maintains control of the summoned creature. Nice. So that would mean that the demon you summoned and then ordered to summon another demon, that demon has control of the second demon, not you. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, that's dangerous. That is it very could make dangerous. you very, very powerful, but, <laughs> but, uh, very close to death, probably. <laughs> right. You'll want to be careful how you word your orders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a very, uh, evil game of telephone that would happen as you mm-hmm. tell one demon to order his demon to order the other demon. <laughs> mm. Uh, well, and I really, one other thing I like about these spells is the, the idea that, uh, an NPC could use them. You could kind of center a whole campaign around an NPC trying to conjure up demons and they're capturing people and, but they're saving them because they need to, you know, be recently slain to use their blood in the ritual. And yeah, mm, so mm-hmm. um, you know, there's there's cool stuff going on there. Joe, what Give did people you ideas? Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. So so go out there and run with these demon summoning <laughs> spells. Uh, Joe, what did you think of these spells? Um, I I like them uh, because they have consequences, and very few horrible things that PCs can do have consequences in D anD D these days. Like the you know you can. Uh, you can take an infernal pact as a warlock, but there's no negative that ever happens to your life as a result of that. Uh, and this sort of thing, you're summoning a demon, and there are a lot of chances that horrible things could go wrong. Like I, I like the uh, the first one there, the uh, the Balgura. It's just hostile to all non-demons, including the rest of your party. And so it just goes after the nearest non-demon thing and attacks it. And I, I like that as a as a if you're dealing with horrible creatures and horrible energies, there ought to be a chance that something horrible happens as a result. And so I really appreciate that that's sort of built into the mechanics of a lot of these, uh, is that it's not just, you know, I summon this being with this power and it does what I want. Uh, so that really felt, uh, I don't know, truer to, to the idea of dealing with demons uh, and the fact that, you know, that they're chaotic. They, they could do something awful to you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. I like to see uh, things be dangerous for the players when they want to try to do something uh, that also has a great gain for them if they manage to pull it off. I also saw it as a great way to offer uh, treasure to PCs that they wouldn't want. Because if you go after an evil uh, wizard who's summoning these demons and slaughtering villagers to make his circle of safeness or whatever, uh, and then they, they win the battle and they find his spell book and it's got this spell in it, you know, maybe maybe written in blood or whatever. They're not going to want to copy it, but you're like, hey, I gave you a scroll. It's a fourth level spell. Go for it. You know, right. right. And there's a, there's also the idea of you know the the circle that you scribe on the ground. So just for the listeners, it says as part of casting the spell, you can scribe a circle on the ground using the blood of an intelligent humanoid slain within the past 24 hours. Notice it says humanoid, not human. But anyway, the circle is large enough to encompass your space, and the summoned creature cannot cross the circle or target anyone in it while the spell lasts. So as a DM, the first thing I do, create something, a scene, something where one of the players is going to have to send their PC outside of that circle 
to go get something that the party needs. Yes, yes. And that is a great enticement. I love that kind of thing because it makes the players really have to make sure that they want to do what they're doing. Or you add in like a water elemental or something that might screw the circle up. Mm-hmm. And then they have to keep pushing it away and keeping it away from the circle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your players must love you. <laughs> <laughs> ooze. Ooze wipes away blood, right? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that is devious, and I can't wait to use that in, uh, in my game. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> uh, Allison, what did you think of these uh, demon summoning spells? So they've touched on a lot of things that I wanted to mention, just the uh, material material components required by these, you know, the food, the gems, things like that, you know, you're going to have to sacrifice something to, to bring these guys out. Um, also, the ability for some of them have their own innate spellcasting and whatnot. Can your demons summon other demons? Um, but I just, I, I'm so curious how... The players would go about the whole, you know, intelligent humanoid slain within the past 24 hours bit, you know, using the blood to scribe that special uh, circle to keep them safe. How would they go about doing that? Would, you know, is it something that they have to slay themselves or is it something, you know, oh, found a corpse, I guess today, you know, I can cast this spell, you know, to bring a demon forth. Um, so I think it would be very interesting to ooh, see how these ooh. play out by our players. Yeah. And, and if they, if they do like a, like a health check or a medicine check or something to see if the creature was dead within the past 24 hours, what if they get it wrong? And then they summon it, but yet the circle doesn't protect them because the corpse oh, actually wow. had been yeah. dead. But not right? only that, oh, awesome. one of the spells on the t- table was spare the dying. So, mm. what, you know, could they kill and re-kill something to use it for this uh, this this special uh, circle? You know, what kind of evil things would they get up to? Or what kind of evil things would, you know, your villains get up to if you're going to use one of these, you know, types of tieflings or spellcasters as a, you know, one of your evil characters uh, that the NPC or evil NPCs that your characters, you know, encounter? So it could be very interesting stuff just uh, hiding behind the circle. And as you guys said, you know, how as a DM can you get rid of this circle or make them move out of the circle? What kind of things? You know, rocks falling? Is that good? Would you move from that circle? I bet you would. Um, (laughs) So I think that's interesting. However, as a DM, the the part where the DM makes the secret charisma checks might get a little bit overwhelming if you're trying to do a lot of combat uh, to see if it decides to disobey their orders. But I think it would also be fun as a DM. Was, you know, is your summon going to attack you this round or perhaps next round? And the DC check starts at 10, but it increases by two every round. So if you've got this out for a long time, eventually I have a feeling you're going to fail your check. So <laughs> what happens when it no longer obeys you? Oh my God. You. You people are all devious. <laughs> well, and, I mean, you know, come on. We're talking about demons. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing is, like, the, like, I love what Allison just said about the, um, like, when the, sometimes the players will come up with these elaborate plans and they won't realize how evil their plan actually is <laughs> until you point it out to them, you know, and then they're like, oh, and is it really evil if the only way they can stop this entire region or continent from being destroyed is to conjure a Hezrau? Is it really evil? I don't know. If you, have uh, to, if you have to kill somebody, <laughs> some innocent humanoid to do it, like, oh, that's that's the thing that will make the players talk amongst themselves. And then the, as the DM, you get to respond to it, and, it, and it's brilliant. 
Or you get to sit behind your screen and just laugh as they try and figure out yeah. the least the least awful way to go about uh, casting this spell. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it is, and it's wonderful because you, as the DM, right, you get to to decide how the world reacts, right? Because some people may react one way, and some may react another, and you, as DM, don't even necessarily say what you personally think. But the NPCs over here think, "Man, that is evil." But the people who were saved are like, "Well." It seems like it was worth it because we're still alive. So it, it really gets to be interesting. It actually specifies an intelligent humanoid slain. So, you know, the players can't do some sneaky thing like, oh, I prick my my palm and I bleed in a circle, you know, and I, it, it can't be that. It has to be a creature that was killed. Exactly, exactly. So if you're fighting orcs, right, maybe no problem. But uh, if you're if you're already taking on something crazy and supernatural, that's not a humanoid. Mm-hmm. You get you got a problem on your hands. There are a whole host of undead creatures in D anD D that rise up when uh, the live, the being that they were in life dies in some horrible way or something awful happens. I would totally have whatever intelligent humanoid you use to make that circle turn into an undead. <laughs> you know, there, there's a specter hanging around now because you used his blood in a demonic ritual, and now you're the reason this undead exists. Right. Oh yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and I just thought of something else to go with all these things. Again, with the intelligent humanoid slain within the past 24 hours, how would this interact with the feign death spell? So, oh. I mean, it says for the spell's duration, or until you use an action to touch the target and dismiss the spell, the target appears dead to all outward inspection and to spells used to determine the target's status the target is blinded and incapacitated and its speed drops to zero da, 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 da. so could you use that technically to uh to you know make someone feign death in your party and then use your blood would that still count i'm curious it, it should it should work until the person wakes up and then the demon realizes that the circle doesn't work the way it thought it did and can cross yeah it. Like, like an illusion. i think that would be interesting or the person starts becoming half undead oh, oh man oh gosh <laughs> and you know and the, the other thing with that undead thing you know what's really funny is uh you could have your evil villain be doing these horrible things to to conjure these demons, but really their main point isn't to conjure the demon because they know that they can't control them. Their main point is to slay intelligent humanoids to conjure the demon and then dismiss the demon right away, but now they've got an army of undead. Oh, man. What? <laughs> Guys, like yeah. a three-page PDF to like form a campaign. Around yeah, it. that's what I was yeah. just gonna say. All this Thanks, from a hand, a handful of spells. This is amazing. Uh, so I think uh, I think we all feel pretty good about these spells. Am I uh, am I wrong there? I no, think I, they're they're I think fun. They're <laughs> yeah. yeah. Evil but fun. Evil but fun, for sure, for sure. So, and like you said, uh, even if your players don't want it, there's ways to maybe tempt them into it or uh, have an NPC use them uh, and have it still be the focal point of even an entire campaign. Uh, Well, this, I think, guys, is going to do it for this episode of The Roundtable. Where can people find you, Sam Dillon? Well, I'm not going to tell you where you can find me. Instead, I'm going to say James... Thank you so much for 100 episodes of awesome content. I really appreciate what you do for the community and all of these episodes you produce have just been fantastic. So thank you. And thanks to all the guest stars that have come on here. And it's just a fantastic addition to the Tome Show lineup. And I really appreciate it. 
Uh, Sam, well, thank you for everything that you do for the Tome Show Network, all of your editing, posting every episode. Uh, Sam Dillon is the man who actually gets all this stuff out there on the airwaves. And he has an amazing blog at RPG Musings. Uh, you can follow <laughs> him on Twitter at DM Samuel and check out his other podcast, Play on Target, uh, which is one of the greatest RPG podcasts out there that you can listen to. So you will highly enjoy it. Check it out. Uh, where can people find you, Joe Listowski? Uh I am on Twitter at Joe Listowski, and I also do occasional, not so much more lately, but it, it'll be picking up again, uh, occasional blogs about D&D and also Doctor Who and other geeky stuff at actsofgeek.com. Uh, and then if you're in Western Massachusetts, come up to Modern Myths, uh, Comics, and Games in Northampton and uh, play some D&D with me. Come on, guys. Who doesn't want to hang out with Joe Lostowski? Uh, I know I do. Uh, Allison Rossi, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter. My name has since changed from a while ago from previous podcast at charm underscore underscore person. Um, you can also find my group occasionally streaming D&D on Monday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch. So that's twitch.tv slash padfoot240. Uh, one of our players uh, recently had a baby. Uh, so him and his wife have been very, very busy. So we haven't been playing as much. And of course, holidays off and on all the time. But uh, we've been doing some some. West Marches related stuff for uh, from stolen from other Twitch uh, streamers and whatnot. So that's uh, that's where you can find me. Uh, let that be a message to all the people out there. Babies ruin RPGs. Yeah, it makes it extremely <laughs> difficult to uh, play when you know your wife is in labor and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. So, so do not conjure a baby. Right. Yeah, no, there's no conjure baby. babies. <laughs> At least not on game nights. I mean, come yes. on. Yeah, exactly. Practice <laughs> safe magic. Uh, (laughs) all right everybody well wow round table 100 thank you all so much for everything that you guys have done uh for this podcast and to all the panelists out there who have done great things uh you can find me on twitter at james and you can also check out my blog it's all about exploration age the fifth edition world i'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me and guys if you like the tome show please rate us on itunes like us on facebook come leave us a great comment about the show over at thetomeshow.com. Okay, everybody, thank you for listening. You guys are amazing. And thanks to Sam, Joe, and Allison. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. And an extra special thanks to Sam Dillon for getting this podcast out there on the airwaves. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com to use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to the record.